This is a Hijaz Mountains podcast. It's um, 2.56 p.m. Arabian Standard Time. It's, uh, I think it's 18 degrees outside. And um, um, it was pretty nice when I was out earlier. I got uh, my booster shot today. Um, I, uh, let's see. Um, it's probably going to be in the single digits tonight. That's what it's been lately. And um, I got um, Voice of America here. Expressions to help you stay healthy. Okay, this is supposed to have been, come out 14 hours ago. Now, words and their stories from VOA Learning English. Today, we talk about expressions that remind us to be healthy and have a healthy lifestyle. Benjamin Franklin often gets credit for some very famous healthy lifestyle sayings. Here is one about planning your day. The early bird gets the worm. Of course, we're not talking about an actual worm. This means the person who arrives first has the best chance of success. It can also mean the person who gets up early before anyone else will be more prepared for the day and therefore more prepared for success. That is why he also reportedly said, early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. The meaning of this expression is pretty clear. It means that going to bed and waking up early may lead to success and better health. While Benjamin Franklin often gets credit for saying this, other word experts say this expression was said slightly differently in English as early as the mid-1400s, and in Latin even earlier. Personally, I like to go to sleep early and wake up early. But what if you're a night owl and do your best work at night? Waking up really early would not be a good idea. We all need good sleep to be healthy. We also need to eat well. We have some expressions that remind us to eat healthy. Here is one. An apple a day keeps the doctor away. Some word historians say this saying first appeared in publication in the mid to late 1800s. It sounds like a very specific saying. If you eat more apples, you will be healthier. And if you are eating an apple, someone might say to you, I see you are trying to keep the doctor away. But sometimes we use this expression as a simple reminder to eat healthy and not just apples. After all, you are what you eat. This saying also reminds us to eat healthy, 
and sometimes it is used to criticize someone's poor food choice. Some young people may look like a picture of health, but if you eat too much junk food or smoke or drink a lot of alcohol when you're young, you might get sick easier. Getting enough sleep, exercising, and eating healthy food all increase your chances of getting a clean bill of health. A clean bill of health is another common health-related expression. It is a decision by a doctor that someone is healthy. But we also use this expression for other things that go through a difficult time but get better. Um, I know that I have heard people say sleep is for the dead. And I have also heard a, a new um, thing that I've seen for a while is eat your rainbow. Like you're supposed to eat vegetables or um, fruits from each color of the rainbow. I've got some um, other things I recorded here. Um, let's see. I want to read about... Uh, Vanessa Takate. She's from um, Uganda. I mentioned her the other day. She said, We expected the leaders to rise up for the people, to rise up for the planet at the talks known as COP26. Um, Instead, the world could be on a pathway to warm 2.4 degrees Celsius. That's well above the goal of limiting warming to 1.5 Celsius. The AP interview, Vanessa Tecate. Activism can be very hard. Activism can be a lot of work, but it takes love and grace to continue to speak, to continue to demand for justice. Vanessa Nakate um, is an African climate activist. The first thing I'd like to ask you is just um, your assessment of the past year, really. Um, What went well in terms of the work that you've been doing and what did not go quite so well and why? There was this climate conference, you know, the COP26. It was... uh, a moment that had to give all of us hope for the future, a moment where we expected the leaders to rise up for the people, to rise up for the planet. And what I can say is that it was disappointing, you know, to see a climate tracker show us that we are on a pathway of 2.4 degrees which is a global devastation for so many communities, which is a death sentence for so many communities on the front lines of the climate crisis. Many of the world's regions most vulnerable to climate change are in Africa, whose 1.3 billion people... I didn't get a chance to read the rest. Um... Nakate says her mission is to highlight their, that global imbalance between Africa and the, and the rest of the world. 
You know, many times activists from Africa have been called missing voices, but we are not missing. We are actually speaking. We are present. We are available. We are just unheard. We are not platform. You know, to see a climate tracker show us that we are on a pathway of 2.4 degrees which is a global devastation for so many communities which is a death sentence for so many communities on the front lines of the climate crisis it says that africans contribute the least to global emissions um i clicked this thing by mistake Nakati says her mission is to highlight their that, that global imbalance. You know, many times activists from Africa have been called missing voices, but we are not missing. We are actually speaking. We are present. We are available. We are just unheard. We are not platformed, and we are not amplified. Is there anyone you would specifically want to call out and and hope that in the next year they did something? The people that we need, you know, drastic action from, these are the leaders in government. These are the leaders in business. Because these are the people who are continuing to fund, you know, the extraction of fossil fuels. We need a system change, a system change that will start from the leadership in government, a system change that will start from the leadership in business so that everything, you know, decisions or um, actions that are taken by governments or business leaders, they ensure that the people and the planet are protected. So, um, okay, uh, that was on AP News. Rand Paul, U.S. Senator from Kentucky, is the first one asking for disaster aid from the U.S. government. And uh, he had voted against other states getting disaster aid before. Um, so, um, um, all I can say is that's an example of how not to be. Oh. Available to children. Nandra Niddle, education reporter for the 19th, a nonprofit newsroom covering gender, politics, and policy, documented the growing chorus of complaints and the resistance from many librarians. I spoke with her earlier this month. What is the trend that your story picked up on? Why is it that we're seeing librarians on the front lines? We're seeing librarians on the front lines of a new book banning movement that really started to gain momentum over the past year or so. So efforts to ban books aren't new. They go back back decades. But over this past year, we've seen parents, politicians, school board members target books specifically by LGBTQ authors, by authors of color, and other marginalized authors. What do these authors or their books have in common when it comes to content? Their books discuss 
discuss race, they discuss gender, they discuss sexual orientation, sexuality, all topics that some parents, some politicians feel are inappropriate for K through 12 students to read about or explore. You know, we. So they don't talk about uh, limited movies. Um, this is about. Uh, this is by Barton Gellin, and uh, he wrote a book called uh, January 6th Was Practice, something like that. Okay. That it was part of a coherent plan uh, and conspiracy to overthrow uh, the results of the last election uh, that went on uh, for a considerable time uh, before and after January 6th. Uh, and that. Republican operatives working on Trump's behalf are now methodically looking around at all the places where Trump's first plot failed and looking to reinforce them, looking to remove obstacles that prevented Trump from succeeding last time. And what are some examples of that that you go through in this piece? Well, one example is that uh, they're uh, seeking out all of the public officials, uh, some of them elected officials, some of them nonpartisan administrators, who said no to the coup last time, who said, no, we won't change the vote count, we won't flip the outcome. Uh, Joe Biden won in our state. They're taking those people and they are either hounding them out of office uh, or they are making them irrelevant by passing new laws uh, that take the power away from that office. I mean, it's, I mean you pull this together, Bart Gelman, and it is alarming. I mean, you write... The prospect that the actual winner of the next election, there's a prospect that that person will be declared the loser and that the loser will be certified uh, as the president-elect. What what makes you believe at this point that these efforts by uh, people who support, who are allies of President Trump, could actually pull this off? The whole uh, currency of, of presidential election is electors. Each state has its own share of electors. And Trump's strategy last time and, and, and the strategy that is uh, being laid out now for the next time is to ask state legislatures controlled by Republicans uh, in states that Biden won to change the electors, to simply say we're not going to count the electors that were uh, chosen by the voters. We are going to put forward electors for Trump uh, because we, the Republican legislature, say so. And, and we saw, and you, you mentioned, and we know that states like uh, Wisconsin, Georgia, uh, and maybe even Michigan uh, were in a position to, to, uh, to make these kinds of challenges. I want to specifically zero in on what ha- what's happened in Georgia since the election. And there you have the authority for overseeing the election taken away from local officials in Fulton County, which surrounds Atlanta, and turned over to the state legislature. How does that play into the point that you're making here? Well, let's go through the list of everything that's happened in Georgia uh, with respect to elections. You had a Republican governor and a Republican secretary of state, both of whom certified that Biden had won the election. That was their job, faithfully, to reflect the actual count of votes in Georgia. Uh, For this crime against Trump, uh, the former president 
uh, has declared war on the on the Georgia governor, uh, has recruited a candidate to try to replace him. Uh, the Georgia legislature had, ha, has uh, removed the Secretary of State's power over elections so that next time it comes along, he won't be the one capable of certifying or decertifying an election. Uh, they have changed the rules so that a board appointed by the Republicans in the legislature can fire the election officials in counties like Fulton County, where Atlanta is and where most of the Democratic votes are. Uh, and so they've gone systematically through all the things that prevented Trump from stealing the Georgia election after losing the vote, and they have changed them. You also, Bart Gelman, I mean, there's so much... I recorded part of that during um, lunch, and I got this, the same guy on um, on another another program, and it's almost the same thing. So uh, I think that's a better recording. Um, uh, maybe I'll play that for you for you next time. Um, this is 17 minutes long now. This is. Uh, primary mission here is to entertain secondary is to um, um, instruct the governor of California Governor Newsom wants to pass gun laws like the one that got passed for the Texas abortion law Um, and um, you know so that's going to basically outlaw guns and I don't know how popular that's going to be. Um, um, I don't... Who knows? Um, so, um, that's it for today. That's a wrap. This is the He Jaws Mountain Podcast. It's uh, uh, 3.14 p.m. Arabian Standard Time. This is Omar WJ. See you next time.